0: All right. I am here with a man who I'm happy to have back on the show, the one and the only Dave Rubin, of course, author, comedian, host of The Rubin Report, and uh, of course, founder of Locals.com, where of course Lines of Liberty.locals.com, we're on there for surely, is back to join me. Dave, welcome to Mean Age Daydream. I changed it up since you were here last. <laughs> you have
1: changed it up. I always forget when I talk to you kooky libertarians that I don't have to dress up like this. I've just gone downstairs and put on a t-shirt like a normal person.
0: I I look like a stuffy conservative. I I dressed up for you. I actually, (laughs) I I had a t-shirt and I was like, ah, Dave's going to be in a suit. I don't want to look like some animal off the street. I'll put on my, (laughs) I bought this shirt in China back when you could, uh, you know, you could go to China and convert with them before they locked everything down again.
1: God, it's insane what's going on there, Brian. Before we start, I know this is your show, so I shouldn't just jump in and and mack on you like this. But Please. I feel that I owe you an apology because I left you in <laughs> Los Angeles, man. We we tried together. We tried to free the people. The people do not want to be freed, and you're still there, if, if if I'm not mistaken.
0: I was running after your private jet. Did you not see me on the <laughs> runway with my luggage? You know, chasing after it like out of an old movie. <laughs> I'm
1: just thinking. I did see a guy with a shaved head, and I, I just thought uh, crazy person. Just through. Re-
0: Stuff at me from the plane. Just, yeah. God, David, take him out! Take him out now before he gets a hold of the wheel. yeah uh, <laughs> I know. Well, you seem to be loving life in Miami, though. I mean, have you become best friends with Pitbull yet? That's really what I want to know. I have not seen the Pitbull
1: yet. I have a Pitbull, half Pitbull, half boxer. I have not seen Pitbull. The is he a singer or musician? Whatever yeah, the he is, rapper, singer, the rapper, I mean, it, singer. He's. It seems like he's out and about here. So I should see him. Uh, I have not seen him yet. I haven't spent too much time in South beach proper though. I don't live on South beach itself where it's a little, I'm getting into middle age here. I can't deal with that, that kind of level of volume. Uh, so I'm a little more out in the suburbs, but yes, man, I love it here. And every liberty minded person should be living in Florida right now. The, the sense of freedom here, is so tangible and it's so profoundly different than what's going on in crazy Los Angeles, in wacky California. It yeah. really is like I live in a different country right now, to the point that I had to go back to LA to shoot a PragerU video, which was about a half mile, their office is about a half mile from where I used to live. And to even go back, I made it very clear to my to my assistant, I didn't wanna, I said, get me in and get me out. I don't wanna spend a lot of time there, it's a nightmare there. It was so dirty, like you actually forget how dirty yeah. The homeless people. I kid you not. I swear to you, I kid you not. My producer was with me. He can testify on this one. We're walking into the Marriott Hotel on uh, Ventura Boulevard, and there is a man walking down the street with another man dressed as a dog. And they're just walking down the street <laughs> in the middle of the day. And look, everyone's into some stuff. That, it's all good. But it was the middle of the day. It's like, isn't this the stuff that happens there, you know, 1 a.m., but like, it was yeah. like 11.30 30. In the morning,
0: well, and if you're going to do that, at least ride him around so you can make a, an argument, a coherent argument. Look, this is just my Uber. I <laughs> called it. This is what showed up, and you know what am I going to do? I got to get to work.
1: You know. <laughs> but would you? Would you? That would be more if the person was dressed as a, as a donkey or a horse. True. This is a straight up dog, and it would be inhumane, obviously, to be uh, riding a dog. But well, he yeah, he was dressed I don't as miss, a dog, and he probably identifies
0: place. as a donkey. You know.
1: True. It could be a dog that identifies a doggy, but really, man, I I don't miss that place at all. You know, I know you came to a bunch of the, uh, the protests, Mm -hmm. uh, that I was at trying to get people to, you know, first for the recall and trying to get things to open up and everything else. And in, in retrospect now, it feels like, like a fool's journey in a way that, you know, I tried, I really did try the best that I can. and, And I know there's plenty of good people still trying uh, but Cali just wants to go down and and too many of these lefties just want to take it down. I think there's many, many reasons for that. Some of them, you know, screwed up intentions, good intentions, gone the wrong way. Some of it truly malicious. Uh, but I am just loving the free, good life here in Florida.
0: Yeah, I mean, my parents live in Florida. I can appreciate that. And you are right. It is. I never feel good. I mean, I feel good coming back to my family and I want to tell you, congratulations on your kids, uh, forthcoming. I want to talk a little bit about that, but I feel good coming back to my family, but I never feel good flying into Los Angeles. I mean, just coming in the smog and the dirt and the grime and you just, and immediately upon landing, you're just like, it's horrible. I mean, it really is. It's, it's awful. And I, (laughs) I'm jealous that you, that you escaped. I will say that.
1: Well, first off, you can escape my friend. Everyone can do it. At least for now, at least for now, they haven't stopped people from leaving yet. I mean, honestly, I believe they could do that. That's how out of whack with reality. This movement is, I mean, that's, that's where this all leads. I mean, what do socialists and, and communists do? They end up arresting people for, for free thought. They end up arresting the dissidents and all that. Um, but I will tell you this. So I land in LA and, uh, I happen to be, this is a couple of weeks ago, I happen to be on a flight where, you know, it's very 50-50 now with the masks. Some flight attendants are just kind of, although I just read in the last 10 minutes before we started this, that they've now extended the mask mandate on planes for two more weeks. Have we heard that before? (sighs) It's it's such a crock of shit. But but this this particular flight attendant, because I find that it's very up to the flight attendant lately. Some of them don't care, some of them do. This flight attendant was really driving me crazy the whole time, and I was slowly sipping water. And I literally, she woke me up out of a nap because my uh, mask was below my nose. I mean, really awful. Anyway, when, <laughs> I've done this since the pandemic. I swear to you, no one will ever find a picture of me wearing a mask at an airport because I've always taken it off the entire time. The second I get off the plane, I take it off. I've never had a problem because we're all just policing each other. I mean, right. that's the twisted part of this. But anyway, I go down to the coffee bean and tea leaf over at LAX. I don't have my mask on. And I said to the girl, could I have a uh, cup of large ice coffee? And I didn't have my mask on. And she goes, uh, she goes sir, uh, I can't serve you if, if you don't have your mask. And I kid you not, I did this. I'm not making this up. I said, uh, I said ma'am, um, I don't know if you saw it the other day, but on Tuesday was the State of the Union address, and the elderly man, pretending to be President Joe Biden, was in there with a bunch of other geriatric people, and there were no windows, and they were all hugging and kissing and sniffing hair and blah, blah, blah. And I, I am not kidding. She went like this. Uh... <laughs> I, I actually the, broke the short her, circuits her, her <laughs> eyes crossed as if I had said something so crazy and like just she hadn't heard truth in so long or, or I don't know what it was. And then I just said, and she said, are you going to put your mask on? I said, no. And and I didn't get a nice coffee. So it set my
0: trip up nicely as you can see. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can't wait to get back to Florida. I mean, it is, it is a, a shocking difference, but we have other things to talk about. And listen, I, uh, I'm i excited. I mean, you have two kids on the way. Do you know, did you find out the genders or are you guys waiting?
1: We're going to let the kids decide. All
0: right, that's a good idea. You know, it's, uh, it's the new uh, way. <laughs> no,
1: they they are going to be boys and I promise you oh, okay. as adults they will be boys too. I ain't bringing any <laughs> of that shit in this house.
0: No, good for you. Well, so I, have, I have a girl coming in September. So I'll have two girls, which yeah, thank you. I, I was hoping for a boy, but I'm happy with the girls. I got a great girl ready. So, you know, any parenting advice, please ask me. I obviously am a, a luminary in the field. But, you know, there was something I, I heard you talk about in a couple of their shows. I think you're on Malice's show. And I think yeah. on your own show, you know, when the news came out that you were having these kids, it was interesting. You said a lot of these you were getting some pushback from, you know, mostly the left casting aspersions on friends of yours on the right, basically attributing them for saying that it wasn't okay or they had issues, which didn't seem to be true. And then as a follow-up, I also want to ask you because you mentioned, you know, a few different times that, you know, you have your mother there, you can have your sister there. Is it something that you feel that, you know, do you feel the need to say like, look, we're going to have some female presence in the kids' lives. Is that something that you feel pressured to do from outside or just something you think, you know, it's good to have that, to have both sides of the, uh, the equation.
1: No, I think it's good. So I'll, I'll do the second part first and then we'll get to the, the controversy or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, look, there are differences between men and women. I, I accept that. that That is reality, obviously. All of us have moms or most of us have moms, so to speak, right? And, um, until the fake
0: uteruses it, come out, yes.
1: Yeah, oh, they're on the way, by the way. Actually, sure. there was there was one chapter that we cut in my book that was all about future tech and artificial wombs. I mean, they are coming. They They actually are coming. I mean, they're testing them out. They're testing them out now. I mean, we're just going to grow up in a, in this pink slime of the <laughs> Matrix. Remember, um, right now we're just in the pink slime of the uh, of Ghostbusters too, when we all hate each other. That, that's oh, different- I love
0: uh, that's a great comparison, by the way. Thank you for dropping Ghostbusters too. One of the few good sequels. People hate Ghostbusters too, but I, I think it's,
1: I think there's an argument that it's better than the original. I really do. The, the idea that our own hatred is fueling like this thing is, is such a great idea. Anyway, um, of course, a female role model and the, and the female presence is important. Now that, that isn't to say that there are men who are very nurturing. There are women who are not very nurturing and there's all of the mixes of that. There are also heterosexual couples that are abusive to each other and the kids. There are kids that are born as crack babies. There are people who are born rich and neglected. There is every, every version of everything you can think of is what we're all born into. And then, and then you're here and, and hopefully you're able to put together some of those screwy pieces and live a good life. So look, I don't have a lot of role models or a lot of models to look at of gay couples with kids. I have some friends. Ironically, my my best friends The couple that we're best friends with that have kids is Peter Thiel and his husband, Matt. I mean, that's a billionaire. Like I can't really compare myself to him in terms of lifestyle. I really can't. I'm doing okay, but I can't live that lifestyle. But I mention that because I understand that this is a little bit weird for some people. I I fully accept that. And by the way, I also accept religious liberty, which will get us a little bit to the second part where libertarians, of course, are being totally supportive of me and I'm getting some pushback from, from more traditional religious conservatives. But uh, yes, our intention is that David's mom's going to live with us for a while. Uh, His sister, who's been a nanny for young babies before, is going to come down here. My sister is pregnant with her third, due the day before we're due with our first, and she lives in Miami. So we're going to have these role models. My mom also, my parents live part-time in Florida, so they'll be around here. They're going to help us with all of these things. I understand that it's not purely the traditional thing. But, you know, same sex parents have been having kids for a long, long time, a lot longer yeah. than people have, have wanted to admit. And they've done plenty of studies actually that actually in many ways they succeed more. They get higher levels of education. I, I don't even care about all the technical parts of that. But what I know is that we are going to do the best we can to raise these kids in a safe and loving an environment. It's a, it's a part of life that I think in some ways that I've been missing. I'm 45 years old, so I'm a little bit on the older side of usually when people become a father, Uh, but we're going to do the best we can. And that isn't to deny that the role of a mother is important or anything like that. But, you know, most of us, if we really thought about it, like, would we have wanted our parents to be a little bit different? Would we, did we all grow up in the perfect situation? And that's not to say that's not to denigrate the situation that, that we're, that we haven't even gotten to yet. It's just to say that life is this I know libertarians get this more than most, but that life is this messy thing. And what you can do is put a, put your best foot forward in it and, and try to get it on the controversy part. You know, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned the part on the, on the liberal side, because I did not get one nice comment from a liberal, literally yeah, not I mean, one from any liberal that I'm publicly associated with most of them don't talk to me anymore because I'm friends with scary libertarians. (laughs) You didn't get a
0: card from Don Lemon in the mail and a nice uh, bouquet. No Lemon,
1: (laughs) no uh, Joy Ann Reed straight from the mental institution. None of these people (laughs) sent me anything. I got a lot of hate from the left, all saying, oh, you see, these mean Christians hate you now. And it simply isn't true. Uh, Everyone that I'm publicly associated with, and I'm mostly associated, let's say with conservatives to libertarians, something like that. Everyone that I'm publicly associated with, either publicly said something nice the blaze the daily wire guys prager you all my libertarian friends or they texted me or or emailed me or whatever it might be there was some pushback from a couple i there were i only saw two blue check people one who i've never associated with one who i did her show once who have their own religious opinions on same-sex marriage and and then children for same-sex couples. One of them didn't word it in the nicest way. Guess what? They're entitled to their opinion. But then suddenly Forbes wrote an article out of nowhere. Dave Rubin's audience and friends turn on him with a picture of me and Candace Owens. Candace was at my house a week before the announcement helping us pick out strollers. I mean, the the my audience, my YouTube numbers were the best numbers by about 25% last month than we've ever had. And I'm trying to push all my people to rumble now. So it's, it was complete lie. Now, were there, are there some Christian conservatives? Uh, I see this more from say Catholic Twitter and it's usually all anonymous people that are not happy about this. Of course. Now, could they do it nicer? Of course, but it's the internet. But I never, I, I believe in li- religious liberty and I'm not here to make everyone bow to my beliefs. I am here to have individual rights and to respect freedom. And that is a little bit messy. That also goes to something I talk about on the show a lot, which is how do we align this new right thing together? And it's going to be tricky because, of course, there are people like you. You believe in liberty and individual autonomy, and and that's sort of your main driver. And that's mostly where I'm at as well. So I want people to flourish, and I accept that there are differences. And then there are more Christian—it's usually Christian, but I don't want to say just Christian because I'm I'm sure that religious Muslims—and religious Jews, by the way, are not necessarily thrilled about something like this— But do we all roughly want to live in the same country? That's what we have to decide. I think the answer is yes. And I think there's work to be done there. Perhaps some of these people think no, and we'll see who's right.
0: Yeah. Well, I think there's, you know, the whole debate about, you know, single parents, uh, multiple parents, gay parents, you know, TV screens are going to raise the kid anyway, right? So who cares? Robots. (laughs) What are we arguing about? (laughs) We're bringing in the robots. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's actually, it's funny. I, uh, so my daughter, my, her her godparents basically are uh, my my cousin and his husband. So that's where, God forbid, anything comes happens to my family, that's who's going to be raising my daughter. So obviously I don't have a, any issue with it, but I was shocked. I thought we were past this point to still hear about it. And like you said, for people that are very religious, I guess it's always going to be a thing. But I was I was just surprised to hear that that uh, you got a, a pushback in that way.
1: Well, look, but this is also where the internet really dysregulates us because, you know, we put that video up. I put the the tweet up with the picture about it. And, you know, if let's say this, forget gay anything or kids or anything else, but let's say a million people watch this video right now, the video uh, that we're doing right now of me and you. Now the way the internet works, 990,000 people that watch that million video, they don't comment. They just watch it. They go, ah, Ryan's fun. I like him. Ruben's an idiot. And they just move on. Okay, fine. But then there's about, you know, 10,000 people or, or a hundred thousand people, but but it's a small percentage of people that are commenters and then commenters tend to be more negative. Usually people comment on things that they don't like. Then the more negative you are, the better chance you're going to get upvoted and liked and whatever. And the more hysterical you are, then you're really going to get it. And then the average person, then a week later comes to the video and they're like, boy, here's this video with a million views of, of Brian and Dave, and they click in the comments and they go, my God, uh, these people really hate the two of them or they hate this guy or whatever. And, and then that's what their takeaway is. Even though 95% of the people probably watched it, they had their own personal thoughts and they moved on. So I'm really interested in this concept right now about how the internet is completely ruining conversation. Because if you think about it, Donald Trump, when he ran in 2016, not only was he on stage with a rainbow flag, and I've never mm-hmm. even held a rainbow flag, First Peter- openly
0: gay positive president, right? First first president to say, I'm fine with gay people in every possible way, taking office. Because Obama, memorably, was not.
1: No, and they will burn down Obama's library, as they should by their rules in 2040. The <laughs> sure. progressives of tomorrow will burn down his library. But But Trump, not only that, but remember when they asked Trump, it was even before he was running for president, I think, they asked Trump because there was this big controversy about trans bathrooms in North Carolina. And they said to him, what do you think about trans bathrooms? And he goes, I'm a builder. I build hotels. If you tell me I can put one bathroom in for everybody, that's great. (laughs) Trump did not care about any of this. He was actually really getting us post. He was Trump was really doing two interesting things. He was getting us post racial and post all of the the sexuality stuff. He did not care. He spoke at the state of the union and talked about the lowest black unemployment of all time. And the congressional black caucus sat Mm -hmm. there like this. He, I argued that the guy was actually defending conservatism and liberalism, and what you're going to get after him most likely will be much worse. I, yeah. I think there's a, a way around that probably through DeSantis, but I think that there's a lot of forces that could make this thing much worse, on both sides, actually. Um, so it's unfortunate because uh, th- there's some work to be done here, but I, I do think we are past most of it. I really do. No one, in my, no one that watches my show that was really a, a fan of mine suddenly was like, oh, now I can't take it anymore. Or or that we got so much love, but I get it. I get why you asked the question. The internet whacks people out. You see all the haters, the haters, you know, one of the other things I'm noticing, I don't know if you're noticing this on Twitter lately, the haters seem to be pushed up in the comments. So if I tweet, if I tweet literally anything, I really don't, I try not to look at my mentions anymore and I filter most of them. But if I do actually click in, I'll see 50 haters before I can get to the 200 good comments. And it's almost completely consistent like that. So they're doing things to us that we simply... We simply don't know what they're doing right. and we don't know how it's affecting us.
0: Well, that was something that came out, I think, in those Facebook documents that were shared in a court filing where Facebook had basically acknowledged that, yes, they they accelerate the content that they know is going to piss you off. And I'm sure Twitter's doing the same thing. Maybe maybe Musk will be able to come in and open the books and we'll actually see what's going on there, right? What do you think going on What do you uh, think is going, on, look, there? Let's,
1: think's let's, going let's, on there with him?
0: I, I mean, I, I'd like to think... That he's actually going to come in and and he doesn't want to be on the board because they're saying he can't join the board because maybe then he can have a hostile takeover. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, but I also just I'm just laughing my ass off at these you know these snowflakes up in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area working for Twitter. Do you see they had a day off, a day of rest, and now there's there's these articles about what will happen with Elon Musk and Twitter and how will they deal with it? The psychology or the uh, you know the psychic trauma these people are enduring because God forbid Elon Musk buys a port of the company. It's insane. Do you think it's possible? I mean, I've been like exploring every avenue I can think of on my
1: show, but one of the things I'm sort of thinking, maybe, I don't know, if this is a little conspiratorial is, do you think it's possible that he might've realized that he bit off more than he can chew here? Meaning, so he buys the 9% and then I get it at, to, to actually take over the company. If you're on the board, you can only get 14% roughly. It's like 14.3. But now that he's off the board, he could do the hostile takeover. But do you think it's possible that because he kept tweeting about what do you want from Twitter and he kept getting all these responses that he suddenly realized, and this is, this is not a judgment call on him in any way, actually that he suddenly realized, man, there are way more problems here than I thought. And this thing may be actually unsolvable because it's so freaking toxic. And then the other thing is That what this all, to me, what this all boiled down to, if, if Musk was going to get involved and I love the guy and I think he, you know, he is a true, he's the Tony Stark of reality and he's a true innovator and Renaissance man and all that stuff. But what it all boiled down to by getting involved in Twitter is, are you going to let Trump back on, right? That you could, Mm. we can talk about, okay, I want an edit button. I don't want you to shadow ban, but what it really was about was, okay, Musk, if you're in and you're talking about free speech, this is all, this all boils down to Trump. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the powers that be, once he got involved, suddenly, I don't know what pressure to bear. I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but if he was like, man, this is way more of a headache than I anticipated. The reason that I'm not fully sold on that is this guy thinks 10 steps ahead. So, of course, he had to have seen that coming.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think there could be something to that, especially coming about like, is this even salvageable? Is I mean, maybe looking at the monetary aspect behind it, you know, Twitter's numbers and their advertising revenues and everything, they may not add up. And that was always a problem with Twitter to begin with. But I almost wonder too if Jack, you know, Jack stepped back. He was all involved, and I think that he at the same time. And coincidentally, also was tweeting out, you know, Mises uh, articles, but he <laughs> yeah. had stepped back. And I think the same thing between the regulatory environment, between the pressure from government. And we know Joe Biden is using social platforms to monitor extremism, right, instead of doing it formally where it could be challenged in law. So I think that the regulatory aspects, government pressures, and then that model just being, as you said, unsalvageable, to the point may have been a, th- a something that really scared him off.
1: Yeah, I I think the other problem is that, you know, once these companies go woke, they end up holding the entire company hostage. So to your point, they have this day of silence or people don't have to go to work or whatever it is. This is exactly what's happening at Disney right now. I mean, this this pathetic, groveling fool. I mean, there's no other way to describe him. Bob Chappick, the CEO of Disney. Can you imagine you become the CEO of Disney, man? I, I don't know his full resume, but I have no doubt it's a pretty freaking impressive resume through the corporate world. And it's like, you become that guy, the most powerful executive possibly in the country in terms of cultural relevance. You know, they own Marvel, they own Star Wars, they own our dreams in essence. And yeah. you're groveling to a bunch of, of far-left activists who are now your masters because you you bent the knee, man, and you will never get up. How
0: pathetic. It's disgusting. I mean, and also... You know, think about how many people like we're talking about these social voices that are amplified. Right. We know that the vast progressive left, the people that actually think that the don't say gay bill is is truly evil. Who of course, none of who have, have read it. These people are such a tiny minority. So you're basically bending the knee. You're trying to alter culture for a tiny segment of the population. And Actually, this ties in because we want to talk about Don't Burn This Country, your new book. One of the topics you talked about in the book that I wanted to hear about, and uh, and I was I was perusing, but I haven't chance to read the whole thing yet, unfortunately, is how we can push back against that. Big, you know, big left and entertainment, and how they're dominating that and what you think we can do, because that's something I want to focus on. You know, politics is downstream from culture. How do we push back? How do we take back the entertainment biz? You know, how can yeah. people like us get in with our perspectives without just being trampled on and ignored and locked out?
1: The main theme of the book is the answer to that question is we got to start creating. We got to start separating from these people and creating. I mean, first off, on the separation front, I've actually canceled Disney Plus twice because I I canceled <laughs> what, it. What what brought you back in? <laughs> well, so what happened was I canceled it when they fired Gina Carano from yeah. uh, from Bob uh, from Mandalorian, and then I got it again because then my when we moved here, my nieces and nephews come over because my as I said, my sister's here, and you know I want the kids to be able to watch stuff. Whatever, we got it again. But then I canceled it again after this insane, don't say gay stuff. But I think partly, so it's two things. It's like, we have to separate from these people and stop giving them our money and attention. Uh, You know, I talk a bit in the book about the the CEO of Netflix, Reed Hastings. This guy has poured an insane amount of money into crazy lefty causes. He was one of the guys, I'm sure you saw these ads in Cali, uh, every time I opened up YouTube over the summer. Uh, he was the one that was putting in all of the anti-Larry Elder ads, basically. Oh, I didn't Larry- know that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you'd see all of these horrible ads about Larry Elder, you know, that he's a, basically a white supremacist and, a, you know, a Trump clone and all this stuff. Larry Elder, who was born in South Central L.A., son of a janitor, he, who's one of the most spectacular human beings that I know. I, I actually right. can't even imagine a much better person than this guy. He's, that's and he's
0: opening it. up for you here in L.A. because I was busy that night and had to pass. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You better come free tickets, man. Yeah, we'll send you some free tickets. Yeah, um, I'm in. But uh, but he was funding so much of this stuff and, and wanted to keep Gavin Newsom in. I mean, that was the whole point. And it's like, all right, well, if you pay the 1299 or whatever it is for Netflix, you should know that you are giving money to forces that most likely, if you're roughly on our side of the aisle here, are, are doing all sorts of things to destroy the civilization that we want to believe in. So I think there's two things. We have to stop funding and participating. I think another version of this is you got to stop going to four-year colleges. You got to yep. stop going Amen. to a four-year school to study you know, lesbian dance theory uh, while, and then walk out of there $120,000 in debt and have no idea, no skills, no idea what you're going to do and then be angry at the world and justly because the world sold you a bill of goods that was complete nonsense. So we have to disconnect from some of the old models, meaning, meaning the old entertainment models. We have to disconnect from... Uh, the old uh, educational models, the college models, things like that. But the real key, and this is where libertarians, man, we have such a freaking opportunity. Go build it yourself. Go build it yourself. I get that it's tough it, and our, and the forces against us are tough and Google and these things are so ubiquitous and so powerful. They're unimaginably powerful. And the founders could have never imagined structures that were so much more powerful than the government. That being said, I believe that David can beat Goliath. I really do. I believe in the individual. I believe in human ingenuity. It's why I started Locals and eventually we merged with Rumble and, and we are now fighting YouTube. We're doing it. We're really doing it. And, and that's just one little example, but that really is the answer. Man, if you're a libertarian, if, if, if you listen to this podcast, if you like any of these libertarian ideas, if you're an ANCAP or you're a disaffected liberal, Freaking do something right now. Don't think anyone's going to save you. Even the good politicians, even Ron DeSantis, who is the gold standard in this country for a politician, he can't solve all of this. The only people who can solve it is us.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about in the book, too, is community building, right? And I know you're talking about more on a local level, but it also extends into developing a network, right? Developing a network of people that are content creators, to your point about getting out there, making this content, writing scripts. You know, I'm a screenwriter as well, trying to get stuff out there in the world. But What do you think is a way in which to to really try to build community and to push back not only against leftist policies, but to build towards a better future?
1: Well, look, it's happening right now. So if you're writing screenplays, Honestly, mine and I'll be happy to make the connection myself. I don't know if you have any connections no. at the Daily Wire, but they're making original
0: films right I now. I know I was going to ask you if you had any insight on that cuz I know Ben Shapiro was going to look to work with uh, Gina Carano. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll gladly they, send you the script if you're curious.
1: Look, they're do I'm not kidding. Send me the script. I'll forward it over to them. Like they're yeah. they are now pouring tons of money to build Hollywood style movies without wokeism. They've released a couple movies already. They're going to do original series as well. They they just announced they're putting $100 million into kids programming. PragerU, which obviously is a nonprofit, they, they now have a whole series of kids cartoons. Oh, I mean, wow. the, the way you create community is, hey, you write a good script and then hopefully find the people that can fund it and the actors that want to act in it, but build parallel systems. What is the point of you trying to sell something that is honest and real and and hopefully good and and puts all of you into it to sell it to a system that is completely counter to all of your ideas. Trust yeah. me, I still have a little bit of connection to the Hollywood thing, because I still have agents and things like that. And I'm, I'll be totally honest with you, I'm hanging on by a thread with these people. It's not that, it's not that they're all evil. They're not. And I know and some of my guys are actual genuine fighters at these companies. But I just feel like it's, it's just like being on the Titanic at the end and everybody you know, some of the people jumped off and, you know, got into the boats and they're, they're somewhat safe. But at this point, if you're, if you're an outsider and you're trying to do something good in Hollywood, you're basically standing with the guys playing the violin at the end. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it did not end well for those fellows, by the way.
0: No, it did not. So by the way, I think, do you have another about 15 more minutes? I know you have a tight schedule. I do. I do. Let's see here. I got, I got 12 minutes. 12 minutes. All right. Well, let's, let's hit on a couple of quick topics. So okay. I want to get your silver lining. You know, I renamed my show Mean Age Daydream, right? Be more positive. As I said a world that doesn't suck and trying to get there. But so I want to hear your silver lining. So I know you have a positive vision for where we're going. So I want to finish the episode on that. But before yeah. we do, going contrary to that, I guess, we're talking about, you know, continuing to have these relationships with the left. And you're arguing in the book and say, you know what, the time for tolerance is over. And of course, as a libertarian, and as a, as a good, I could say classic <laughs> liberal, even tolerance is like part of my core being. Yeah. So what, what, what do you mean by we can't tolerate and, and tolerance is no longer an option?
1: Sure. So look, how did the woke get here? They used liberalism against itself. They used the idea that liberalism, which is so steeped in tolerance, that tolerance became its primary driver. And tolerance is not a primary driver. Tolerance is really good. It's really important. And it's a, and it's a a real virtue, but tolerance of intolerance actually just makes you weak and unable to defend yourself as a human being, as a community, as a country. They, the woke have done that. They're, they're in the system already. They're in here. They're in the house, right? They're calling from upstairs. (laughs) It's all here. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I'm not saying be intolerant, meaning put these people in gulags, arrest these people, kick them out of the country. That's Maybe not Maybe just what for I'm a saying.
0: weekend.
1: Listen, I have, I have my dreams <laughs> and then the things that I can put in a book. Um, <laughs> uh, but what I am saying is the time to tolerate it is over that for, yep. for the last five or seven years, whatever it is, especially those of us that, that have been online that have seen this for a while. You know, it's always funny when I see these new people on television kind of getting it or Bill Maher kind of get every other week. He like half gets it. And it's yeah. like, man, where have you been? We've been screaming about this stuff, but okay. The point is the time to tolerate it, meaning, Oh, if we could just expose it, it would turn around. Or if we could just show how hypocritical it is, it would turn around or if We could just mock these people. No, it has marched and marched and marched. It has destroyed everything. It has touched. It is, it is a zombie apocalypse. And you've got a few random people, they're standing here going, no, if we could just talk to the zombies, and I'm sure if we could tell them that eating brains wasn't the best thing you could do, <laughs> and, next thing you know, and then they're zombies, and then it keeps going. So so what you want to do is you want to separate from these people. You want to just, look, I give the devil his due. They've done something extraordinarily evil, but they did it. And that's I, in the book, I, I, I compare this to the alien in the original alien movie, because the doctor on the ship, he admires the alien. It's killing everybody, but Mm -hmm. he admires its brilliance and its remorselessness and all that. So you have to give it the credit that it deserves, whether you like what it accomplished or not, which obviously we don't. But then the, the answer is separate, man. Like if you living in LA and I get it, you have, you have a young daughter and you're about to have another and everyone has their own considerations as why they live in places. But if you live in a place that is out of whack with your beliefs, leave. There are places that that are not that, that can still be saved. Florida is the the number one place for that. I don't want all the leftists coming here and ruining it, but obviously a guy like you isn't going to ruin it. But you can do that. You can get your kids out of the public schools. Don't think you can save the public schools. There is a series of things that you can do to give the power back to yourself, which of course is the ultimate libertarian belief. And and if you do those things, you'll have a chance because the, the burning that they're doing is not going to stop. Philly just in the last day announced more masks. That no. the as my, we said earlier. My home. <laughs> I mean, what the, like Rocky? We need we need Stallone to just show up and punch somebody in the face. You know, Stallone wouldn't even he
0: wouldn't have been able to made it to the top of the stairs with a mask on. He would have had <laughs> trouble breathing. It's <laughs> halfway up, you know, leaning over. Well, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny. God, my dog's driving nuts, banging on my door. Today. Um I, I so, know the feeling. We uh, got so young. Yeah. <laughs> so um, okay, so a- acknowledging that, right? You know, and I would say that I think that even in California, I'm seeing some people like you know. After COVID, the don't say gay bill, everything else, they're starting to turn. And this is from, like, my wife's in uh, the the commercial furniture design and, and you know, industry. And even people that work in these massive design firms are finally, like, she went to dinner with this uber-leftist and she's saying that don't say gay bill is ridiculous, you know, that people aren't understanding it. And she's for what it says. She's against lockdown. So I think... We may be getting to the point where people's brains are finally clicking. I pray look, anyway.
1: that that might be. And I hope you're right, by the way. I really do hope you're right. And I've said on my show many times, I will gladly have a mea culpa. If all look at you get your blur, you're blurring out <laughs> as you're trying to say something very <laughs> know, profound. There's something very deep there. What was that Woody Allen movie with uh, Robin Williams, where the guy starts going out of focus? He has to get his life in order because he's not in focus oh, anymore. God, I don't know. Something very know. deep just happened to you there. Um oh, I I will gladly if if all the liberals wake up, all of the whacked out Californians who have been hit in the in the head with this progressive insanity, like a frying pan to the face. If they all wake up and they suddenly vote out all of the Democrats and put Gavin Newsom out on the street and they turn back all of this, I will gladly say, boy, I, I guess I was wrong about that. The liberals did have some sanity. What I suspect, though, is that that's not really going to happen, that the woke leftist who's working with your wife, maybe she'll vote the right way, but maybe not. Or she won't vote or it'll just be too slow. So I'm okay either way, actually, because I live in Florida now. That really (laughs) is the truth. Like, I would like to see that happen. You know, Callie's got this guy, Michael Schellenberger, who I consider a friend. He's been on my show. I think this is a decent man. I don't know why he still considers himself a Democrat, but he's a decent guy. Uh, and I, I just will, saw
0: he's going to run for governor. No, but, and he's running for
1: governor. So it's like, yeah. all right, let's see. But you know what? Watch what the Democrat machine does to him. And then tell me who the real bad guys are. This is a moderate Democrat. And watch what Gavin Newsom and the machine is going to do to him.
0: Yeah. You know, it's just funny. I, you know, for some odd reason. uh it popped on my mind that California's like Thunderdome and you're now living in like that little utopia with all the chi- the kids and Mad Max been Thunderdome and it's a lovely Dude,
1: I've got world. I've got Master <laughs> Blaster, I got Master on my shoulder, I'm running around out here, I got the big axe and the whole thing. It's great out here.
0: <laughs> all right, man. So I know you gotta go You're Just, you're
1: living in shit. You're living I, in
0: Bartertown. I know, but at least I'm trying to fuck Tina Turner still. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's alive. So. I love <laughs> Tina Turner. She is alive. You know, she left oh, America right. altogether. She lives in oh, uh, Sweden,
1: if I'm not mistaken. Oh wow! She, she married her her longtime manager. I really love Tina Turner. That's one of the reasons wow. I love Thunderdome. Awesome. And uh, yeah, she uh, she got the hell out of America, and she's uh, she's living somewhere in the Swedish Alps or something.
0: Well, see, it's too oh, bad, bad that you're, you're having two boys. boys Switzerland makes sense. I'll say it's too bad that you're having two boys. I'd send you a baby gift instead of a onesie. I'll send you like the chainmail uh, outfit she's got <laughs> with the football pads. Little baby version. Okay, so let, let's wrap it up. Uh, I know, like I said, you you end on a high note. You have a, a positive vision for where we're going. So lay it on me, and then I'll uh, I'll thank you for joining us, Brian. The positive
1: vision is we can do this. Humans have been through far worse than this. This thing sucks, and it's and it's algorithmically charged. And because of phones and tech, it seems like it's endless. And in some ways, it is. But what did you just say? They're they're fighting small amounts of activists. They've tricked us into thinking they have all of this power. But look, Ron DeSantis is fighting Disney and winning. We can beat these corporations. We can beat the bad actors. We have a president with dementia and a woman who I think has brain damage is number two. These people, they're not sending us their best. If we can't defeat a guy with dementia, Kamala with two brain cells and AOC, who's who's a complete moron, then we deserve the fate we're going (laughs) to get. We can beat these people. We really can beat these people. But just take a little responsibility for your life. And if you start doing that, it doesn't mean you will always do it perfectly. It doesn't mean I always do it perfectly. But if you start doing that and then build some sense of community around that, we can do extraordinary things. I just, I just know we can like, it, it's what humanity is all about. Cause otherwise what's the choice? Okay. All right, fine. We're done. They won. I'll see you in Gulag 32 C.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Dave, thank you. I've loved uh, speaking with you as always, man. Good to see your face. You're looking tan and, and glorious, obviously, from Miami weather. Guys, don't burn this country surviving and thriving in our, in our woke dystopia coming out April 12th. And, of course, you've got your tour. Do you want to tell us a little about the tour that you're doing? Yeah,
1: so I got a couple. You're, you're a Cali guy, so I'm going to send you two tickets. I'll, I'll text yeah. you after this to the Oxnard Show. That's where Larry Elder is uh, joining me the night before. We're at the Brea Improv with Dennis Prager. Uh, but we're bouncing all over the place. I'll be in Denver with uh, Brian Callen. I'm in uh, New York with Megan Kelly. I'm in West Palm. We kick off on Tuesday the 19th with Don Jr. We got a great guest list. And every show is going to be different. I'm going to mess around with the crowd and I'll throw some stuff out there. We'll do a and a and some serious stuff, some fun stuff. DaveRubin.com slash events. And
0: Brian himself will be at the Oxnard show. Now I said it. Now you have to come. I have to go. Well, I'm obviously, I'm pot committed. All right, Ben. Well, thank you again. And uh, yeah, enjoy life. And I look forward to finishing up this book. It's awesome.
1: Good seeing you, brother.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The show's not over yet. I got a little bit more to talk about. Things have happened since I recorded with Dave Rubin uh, a couple weeks ago. Had to get that done in the can because I was out of town this week, which which is true. I'm in Vegas right now, coming to you live from a bathtub, and the reason I'm in a bathtub is that, number one, I thought it'd be funny. Eh, why not? A little bathtub reporting from your boy Brian, but... I had to leave the Sahara, which is where I'm staying for this uh, this trade show, the National Association of Broadcasters show, and the Sahara's Wi-Fi just doesn't fucking work. Just, just doesn't work at all. Talked to the concierge lady; she was very helpful, of course. Um, between dealing with people's players' cards and making sure that you know people get hooked up with the, the right prostitutes, obviously the Wi-Fi and uh, and making that a priority to help me was not top of the list. So. Decided to pop over. Fortunately, my father is staying in town for the same show and uh, his Wi-Fi works. So figured what better place to podcast from than the beautiful bathroom in the Wyndham, the Wyndham Resorts, the Grand something or other, whatever it's called, Grand Desert. So here you go, guys. A little bit of, a little bit of end commentary. Thanks to Dave Rubin for coming and joining me. That was a lot of fun. I always love talking to Dave and, and getting some insight, not only into what he's doing politically, but also, of course, into his writing and as a father. Because so I think it's pretty interesting what's going on as far as the responses from people, um, predominantly on the left and how he's dealing with that. So interesting stuff. Thanks to him. But of course, breaking news it just happened. Elon Musk has liberated Twitter. Now we'll see how this looks. But I mean, the fact that he's in there. He bought the goddamn thing. It's, it's done, right? It's approved. He's already talked about what he wants to do. He wants to open up and make transparent the algorithm. That Twitter uses because we don't know how they work. I mean, I'll tell you for a fact, I'm 100% sure that I'm shadow banned. I uh, am 100% sure that just like YouTube, you know, the lines of liberty, we've got uh, like 6,000, 7,000 subscribers and it's hard to get anybody to see our videos because we keep getting dinged and demonetized. Now, I don't know for sure what Twitter's doing with their algorithms, but I'll tell you, I feel pretty confident that. There's some chicanery going on. So Elon says he's going to open up the algorithms there, really embrace free speech and allow people to see how their uh, how their analytics work, how that algorithm is going to promote stuff. And I'm excited to see the change. And it's going to be very sad when there's no change and I get no more subscribers, probably less subscribers. <laughs> They're going to, it's going to be a, such a loss to me to be like, Oh, I was operating under the delusion this whole time that I was being fucked by the system. And in fact, just nobody likes me they don't want to hear what I have to say, <laughs> which probably true. Sorry. That was one thing I just want to comment on. The other thing is, um, and, you know, I'll have more to say on this as this story develops, guys. So next week I'll do a show, a full show, me at home, non, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is my new thing. You know, a hotep Jesus always eats chicken and uh, and whatever the hell else during his shows. Maybe this is my new thing. Bathtub. I just realized my green screen is setting is still on. I should turn that off so you can really see. There we go. Now we have a crisp bathroom background. I'll probably crack my head on this fucking soap dish leaning back. It's right behind me. It's paranoid. So anyway, the other thing I want to talk about is, and this is part of my attention by Stephen Fox, a listener of ours, and, and you guys might have heard about this, but we're in the midst of a food shortage, right? Global food shortage. We're having issues with supply chains. We're having issues with fertilizer to grow more food because so many of that, so much of that fertilizer is imported from Russia. We're having, of course, increases in gas prices, which then, in turn, make it more difficult to produce food, to ship food, to get it through. We still got the backups at the ports, so we're not able to get our products through. And on top of all of this, you have repeated shortages throughout. <laughs> I don't know the cream cheese markets, the, the cheese markets, the meat markets. Right? They've been telling us that. Every form of production stemming from lockdowns, stemming from COVID lockdowns, and shutting down plants and shutting down po- uh, processing facilities has put us in an area where we are legitimately in danger of having food shortages. Now, this is something that never happened, really. They, they talk about it here and there, but there was always so much food being able to be produced, especially with GMOs. Like them or hate them, they are effective at producing masses amount of product and uh, and feeding the peoples of the world. Now we find ourselves in a situation where even if they can grow the food, dubious because we're missing the fertilizers we don't know if we can ship them in time we don't know if the cost point is going to be too much for people what's fascinating though, is that over the past two weeks right and i looked at the all the lists that was provided over the past couple weeks there have been something like 13 to 15 fires at various food warehouses right storehouses for mass amounts of food products these are places that are specifically dedicated to warehousing food for storage not only that, but also the processing plants. So places that would have processed meat, processed pork, processed your chicken, processed your vegetables, whatever it might be, to ship them out to people. These have all been burning down. Now, you can say that that's just a real weird coincidence, and maybe it is, right? Maybe it's just fire season. I don't know. Maybe if you rub chicken together too fast, it bursts in a flame just like sticks in the wilderness. I don't know. I'm not a chicken survivalist. But I will tell you, the timing of it coming at a portion in time wherein we have massively skyrocketing prices where you have people like Bill Gates, who owns more farmland than any other person on the face of the earth and always is talking about depopulation and how we have an overpopulated earth and how we have to change things. Interesting that these arsons are happening at food production plants at the same time. Is this something that we can get into with conspiracy talk, looking at how this will further increase the prices of food, further increase people's desperation to get some sort of relief from this. Now, my end game, is always coming around to increasing dependence on the state, right? This is why I have presumed and theorized that they're attacking the family unit. This is why they're attacking the monetary system. This is why they're attacking the jobs market. This is why all things lead to a dependence on the system. The more people you can get, especially during COVID, to leave their jobs, be dependent on the state handouts, the better for them. The more people you have in dire straits, the, the massive problems we have with the homeless issues, the massive problems we have with housing, which is, of course, government-caused because government's the one putting the regulations and the red tape in place and making it impossible to build and making it so that if you do build, it's unprofitable, thus leading to housing shortages. And of course, because of the tariffs and all the all the wrangling of the labor market and the wood market and importing from Canada versus from whatever the fuck else, we have massive cost increases in Wood in raw materials, etc. But I digress. Getting back to this arson. Further driving up food prices. Further driving up desperation in the population. Now, this can go one of two ways. Either people are starting to legitimately starve and they can see that these levers of power are being manipulated against them, especially at a time when there is a form of panic that's setting in among the elites. They're seeing power is waning. They're seeing Elon Musk get Twitter and try to go against one of their, again, one of their main propaganda arms in Twitter and controlling the narrative of what people do in the public square. They see this crumbling. They see Joe Biden and his awful polling ratings, like 33 percent. You have something like the second lowest of all time. They see throughout Europe that people are operating on a different level, like Marie Le Pen, even though Macron got reelected, Marie Le Pen still got more votes this last time than she had previously. You see Democrats in this country, <laughs> excuse me, I stole this call, you see Democrats in this country basically preparing to be bled out in the streets come the midterms because things are so bad in the country. So is this arson the next step to creating such a panic and such a shortage that people are looking to the government for any sort of help, right? The government does routinely stockpile food, corn, rice, whatever it might be. They do stockpile it here in China, everywhere. So maybe this is another another beautiful gesture from the magnanimous Joe Biden, just like he released ethanol gas available in 1.6% of gas stations. Does fucking nothing to help any gas prices. But maybe this will be, oh, the government's going to release some food stores. Oh, my God, isn't this wonderful? Oh, some frozen chicken for the masses. Here you go. Like in the old times when the trucks would come down the streets and throw bread to the poor. That's one option. Maybe people will say, oh, thank you, magnanimous evil mafia for giving us back what you've taken from us and from fixing or attempting to somewhat fix the crises which you and cells have imposed. But of course, we all know that once you have a crisis and you take advantage of that to get this power, nothing can be permitted to go back to what it was. You can't be permitted to go back to the largesse, to the abundance of food that we once had, or else you lose that power. So will we see more arson? Or... A far preferable option, in my opinion, would be that people rise up. People see what is being done behind the scenes. They're seeing that government actors or activists that are related to government actors are being propagandized, are being positioned. I mean, we know the FBI set up this people in Michigan to go and kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. We know that they routinely set up, quote unquote, terrorist operations. Are we not to believe that on the same level, they couldn't be responsible for propagandizing some activists and helping them along and providing them locations and providing them information on how to firebomb a food processing plant in order to save the planet and reduce humanity's impact and all this other bullshit? These people are already crazy, just like these people that are leaning into terrorism. This is just simply another form of extremism. Are we to think that the FBI could have no role in this? Don't be naive that's the point guys so to wrap up the show i want to remind you we do have the lines of liberty network here of course we've got three shows mark claire on mondays with the flagship show we've got john odermatt with finding freedom every thursday and of course me here with electric liberty land your favorite (laughs) electric liberty land oh brian mean age daydream the greatest show ever to be held in a bathtub in las vegas sipping on a michelob ultra so We have a separate feed for each of those guys. You get a little bit of extra content on those. And if you subscribe to the main lines of Liberty network feed, you'll still get all three shows plus our bonus monthly drinking show and some other tidbits we'll throw in there. So please review, please subscribe, please share the show and please join the Patreon. I have been uh, neglecting my good morning fuckhead rants because I've been horribly sick with this cough and then out of town traveling, as you know, but I pre I pledge I will be getting back, back to uh, back to that. Lost my ability to speak there for a moment. I will be getting right back to that uh, towards the end of this week. So bear with me, Snoogie Williams. All right, that's it from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty Network and from Mean Age Daydream. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head. Mwah.